Hello, hello, this is Tamika Seaton, President and CEO of Grow Your Nonprofit, where we help startups, small and stagnant nonprofits grow through fundraising strategies, strategic planning, and so much more. Guys, today you're in for a treat. I have my special guest here, Bob Summers. He is the Director of Estate and Gift Planning with the American Cancer Society. He will share with you how he's helping the organization grow through plan giving and so much more. Before we get started, I'd like to thank the sponsors of my podcast, Hodges University with a campus in Fort Myers. Stay near, go far. They change lives for the better. Trinity Life Foundation Naples, helping at-risk youth through their enrichment program. Avid. That stands for the Associations of Haitians Living Abroad. They just opened an amazing support center right here in the beautiful Fort Myers, where they will help you with immigration support, utility billing, and ESL, taught by yours truly. That stands for English as a second language, guys. Last but not least, Truth. They just received a grant from the CDC to raise awareness of COVID-19 and vaccine resources in the black and brown communities. So without further ado, my special guest here, Bob. Hi. Hey, Bob. How's it going? It's going great. It's going great. Good. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to stop by the Grow Your Nonprofit Podcast Lounge and for to for this interview. Um, I met you last month at the Plan Giving Council, and you're such a, a, a great person who is very knowledgeable. You're going to share with us a little bit about your background, experience, and how you came about uh, coming into the American Cancer Society. Okay. Be honored. It's... Uh I've been a lifelong banker for most of my life. Banker, uh, interesting. And for many years, I volunteered with the American Cancer Society with a fundraiser called Relay for Life. Okay. Which is, was started in 1985 and it grew tremendously. Every community, it was been in, I think, 17, 18 different countries. Wow. Um, and so I was a volunteer for the Cancer Society and I did a lot of things locally, nationally, mm -hmm. and uh, statewide and nationally. And, uh, they offered me a position, and I came, and I worked out of our Sarasota location, Sarasota, mm -hmm. Florida, mm -hmm. and I worked uh, in the Relay for Life business. Uh, unfortunately, I had to leave, and uh, some family issues happened, and I mm -hmm. had to go back into the banking business for mm -hmm. a while, mm -hmm. and just recently returned to this role, in the plan giving role, which is, um, plan giving is actually our number one contributor to our income now. In wow, I would love to explore that. Before we explore that, I'd like to see why, I understand you were a volunteer, which is genius to have you come work with the organization. Why did you first get involved in the organization? And then we'll get into how a, a, a banker could transition into a plan giving sure. role. Yeah, it's and like most of us, we've been touched by cancer. And right. um, I had lost my father, unfortunately too young. and. Mm -hmm. And uh, he never got a chance to meet my wife or my kids. Oh, wow. And that's what started me uh, on that role. I was asked to join a team years ago for Relay for Life. Okay. And I said, what is this? And I found out that it was a great fundraiser and hmm. I loved it. And that's how it all, it all started. I think that's genius because I'm also a member of the Association of Fundraising Professionals, Collier and Lee chapter. And I always receive the emails as to the open positions. There are a lot of jobs available. 
um, uh, anywhere from executive director to plan giving to director of development. And that's genius to see a volunteer, someone who's really dedicated to actually recruit from that pool. So nonprofits, listen to this story because Bob is amazing. Think outside the box when you're thinking about hiring professionals. They don't always have to have the background and experience because when I was actually recruited as a senior fundraiser at a, a particular abused women's shelter in Naples, I was in government. And the ex executive director asked me out to lunch and she said, well, I, I see you everywhere, all the networking events. At the time I was in the mayor's office as his, uh, I call it right-hand man. And I was like, well, how can I do that? And I thought about it. I did have the connections. And then when I think about you as a banker, relationships, because you have to have those relationships to have your client versus customer base. <coughs> Excuse me, absolutely. No matter what we do, nonprofit world, mm -hmm. what I do now, and even what I did with the Relay for Life piece, it's without relationships, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. If we say, Mr. Smith, you know, I, this organization, give me some money. Right. Without developing that relationship and finding out, again, with me, with the cancer, mm -hmm. most of us, unfortunately, have been touched. So mm -hmm. it's at least a way to start the conversation. Mm -hmm. and you'd be amazed at what we all have in common, right. whether it's banker or baker or, mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned gift planning being your number one source of income. Can you dive into that a little bit sure. further? Yeah, it's COVID, you know, unfortunately changed the landscape for mm -hmm. so many things. Um, the Relay for Life I mentioned to you before became a worldwide phenomenon and it, it still exists as one of our fundraisers. Mm -hmm. But it, it was at the time, pre-COVID, our number one. Wow. It, it grew to our number one contributor oh. income. And unfortunately, we had to re, um, reinvent ourselves, if you will, as most companies have done. Mm -hmm. And we um, closed 90% of our offices. We wow. unfortunately lost a lot of employees during the hmm. COVID period. But it's now uh, we're all home-based. 90% of us are home-based. And we have territories. Mm -hmm. So great news is more of the money that we raise goes towards our mission. Wow. Which is great. Um, but what's happened also with COVID, so the plan giving department at the Cancer Society has been around since 1999. Okay. So basically what we do is we meet with uh, donors, we meet with estate planning attorneys, we meet with uh, wealth people from banks, uh, hmm. trust people. Those people that are meeting with their clients are talking about, and accountants, uh, talk about charitable giving mm -hmm. uh, and there's ways that people can give to an organization that's not coming out of their pocket today mm -hmm. so that's what my department is and um, unfortunately the, it sped up a little bit we lost people to COVID so the money that they said were, they were leaving in their trust to us and uh, you know came in wow. to the organization interesting so we we don't, we don't really count the money till it comes in, but right. it's a, so it's a process. So the people that I talk with now, we're hoping they're not going to go anywhere. Right. And we all use uh, actuarial services that de de kind of says this person might live until 10 more years. Right. Uh, and that just then we say in 10 years, we may get this dollar amount. And that helps us predict future funding. So it's it's I think also COVID helped people meet with their estate planning right. attorneys and kind of rethink about what they do. Right. And I forget the exact number, but it's staggering. I believe it's over 58% of people do not have a will. 
I believe you 100%. So I mean, at the very least, uh, when you're starting with your organization, to, even though you don't need to have a plan giving department, but be part of what you're doing, because uh, studies have shown that people that do leave money to an organization in their wills or trusts, or others, other vehicles as well, but they will give more during their lifetime. Right, you're absolutely correct. So, I, I agree with you. Uh, COVID changed a lot um, how we do business. And I, I think it's for the better because it, it taught us to be more efficient. And, and specifically with nonprofits, don't be so reliant on events. Because not only, quote unquote, COVID is supposed to be over, what about hurricanes? We live in, in Fort Myers. I mean, we live in Southwest Florida. So yeah. we just, six months ago was Hurricane Ian. Mm -hmm. So now if you had an event, you had to plan that. Unfortunately, what I'm seeing are nonprofits, they, they're going right back to having these events. I'm like, wow, didn't you learn anything? And then the nonprofits who had the virtual events, they end up actually raising more money because they have, didn't have all the expenses that were related to having the event. One more thing, I interviewed a particular nonprofit uh, last month, and they have events, but they have them every other year. But when they ask for the commitment from the sponsor, they ask for a two-year commitment. And I thought that was genius. Wow, interesting. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. I said, why don't no more nonprofits do that? Because they said the year that they're on break, they take the time to plan for the next year's event, but they get they talk to the donors, they engage the donors, they steward the donors during that one year break. And I was like, wow, but they, they've collected the two years worth of events. Yeah, you're right. And I think depending on the community you're in, mm -hmm. uh, some communities uh, have more affluent people than others. Mm -hmm. So those typically will have like a big gala. Mm -hmm. But if you try to do a gala in a small town, it's not going to work. Right. So knowing your audience and knowing your community mm -hmm. uh, really helps. But I think they're a good piece mm -hmm. um, as we still, of course, do those um, events in the cancer side as well. But mm -hmm. we have the Making Strides Against Breast Cancer in the fall and we have our Relay for Life in the spring typically. But mm -hmm. again, without the other pieces you need. So we, I'm the plan giving or, you know, I right. call it the future gifts. Right. But then we also have people that are directors of uh, philanthropy which look for the mm -hmm. larger gifts mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's every gift is important right right yeah, so for organization that say they have a small staff of maybe two or three in your opinion and say they don't have a plan giving program what what strategies should they use to start working towards that because you mentioned a lot of the relationships you had with estate planners and attorneys and and I think that's very important because I know they can't uh, steer um, their client to a particular cause, but they could give a listing depending on what they're passionate about and then they could ultimately select them and I right. guess introduce that relationship. Yeah, you know, we can't, you can't be everywhere. Right. Even with me, for example, I have a 10 county area that I mm -hmm. cover. So where's across the country, even though we're a big organization, there's only about 40 of me. Okay. So. So you mean to tell me there are 40 bobs all around? Across the country. Oh, yeah, that's us. a, I don't know if we can handle that many bobs. Well, it's, <laughs> it's not a lot, really, if you think right. about it. And yeah, across it, the country. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's really just those relationships. It's because saying that, so I have 10 counties, I can't be everywhere. Right. So when you do 
looking at the plant giving side, hmm. try to find those attorneys and they're they're different depending on where they are. There's estate planning councils or okay. there's charitable gift planning councils or even chambers of commerce to to start out with. Okay. And and uh, some groups have community foundations that are helpful. <clears throat> but if you get in with the like kind of people and mm -hmm. even though um, I'm the Cancer Society, I, I there's all kinds of nonprofits that we all work together. We're mm -hmm. all in this together. Mm -hmm. So I'd say really meet those folks because those people that are meeting with their clients, mm -hmm. those bankers, mm -hmm. those attorneys, they can help you spread the word. Mm -hmm. Because if they're doing their job, which 99.5% of them do, I'm right. kidding, they all do, yeah. but it's they're going to get to know their clients. Mm -hmm. Before they can help them um, with whatever they need, they're going to ask a lot of questions to their mm -hmm. clients. They're gonna, mm -hmm. If they're wealthy individuals, they're going to try to save them on taxes. And right. guess what? You know, charities yes. can really help them in certain ways. Mm -hmm. So charitable giving can help people save money, but also help our organizations. Right, exactly, exactly. And, and those people, if, if I don't talk to them, mm -hmm. and there's meeting with them, and somebody says the word cancer, they might not remember about the American Cancer Society. Mm -hmm. so it's mm -hmm. And not only that, um, they're, they're thinking about, like you said, long-term, because you mentioned 58% of people do not have a will or a trust. So if they're having a conversation with their financial advisor and they're thinking about, okay, I, I want to give so much to my family, I want to give so much to my favorite charities, now they're leaving a legacy the way they want to. They're not letting them go it go through probate and letting the judge decide how to divvy up your estate as well as your 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 kids and your family are not fighting, which can get really ugly uh, during that process. So with that said, um, relationships, that's what we talked about earlier. What kind of advice can you give to our small and our startup nonprofits? about the importance of relationships because oftentimes what I find is that they have a good cause, they're passionate, and they think, now all of a sudden I have my 501c3 status. Everyone's gonna come knocking on my door to give me money, but it doesn't work that way. And I keep telling them that it's a marathon and not a sprint. So tell our audience the importance of relationship building. Well, it, it, it's, it's the most important thing because it, in everything, but in, right. in our world, especially in the nonprofit world, because mm -hmm. even though we're passionate about it and I'm very passionate about what I do, it doesn't mean that person I'm talking to is the same. Right. They may have a different passion. So it's really getting to know that person. Mm -hmm. And they may not be passionate about the Cancer Society, but they may have had a friend who, who was touched by cancer recently or whatever the organization is. Mm -hmm. And it's getting to know those folks and really, of course, coming in. Uh, whatever it is, and it used to be a banker, if I went to a client and said, Tamika, hey, come on and bank with me. Yeah. Without just talking to you mm -hmm. and, and getting to know your needs and knowing if I could even meet those needs, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's, that doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. It's for those companies that, you know, nonprofits that think it does and they hire someone and say, oh, six months, you don't have any money in, we're going to terminate you. It doesn't, that's hard because right. it's, I don't know, it's just, uh, well, it's, it's a long, just what you said, it, it's not a sprint. Uh -huh. so, so how does one build a relationship with a donor? Say, okay, let's say, for, for example, most nonprofits, especially when they're, they're new, their mindset, I'm, have, I'm hosting a, a gala, I'm hosting an event, this is 
fundraising and eh, it's an aspect of fundraising but it's really what you're bringing in are transactional donors right we want long-term committed donors because oftentimes we know with events you're probably coming because maybe i was a sponsor i got free 10 free tickets and you're coming so i always believe in trying to transfer that relationship right because if i go away then that relationship with you also goes away but if we try to transfer that relationship because i followed up with you and asked you what did you think about the event try to get you involved as a volunteer so how does one get started say they meet a donor at an event it's a transactional donor take it from there bob Oh, that's a tough question. Oh, I know you can do it, Bob. It's again. It's uh, so we're it, it's building that relationship mm -hmm. piece and finding why they're there and finding about what they have in common, if you will, with the organization. And mm -hmm. I think, and again, we can't do it on our own. Mm -hmm. So those people that you need key board members, you need key volunteers in the mm -hmm. community, because your your nonprofit might be the best in the world. But spreading that word mm -hmm. takes people. And and we have, a, for example, we have over, I think it's a million and a half volunteers. Wow. Because of all the different events that we've done over wow. the years. And now, of course, we're, we're nationwide. But for the startup, it's that same way. You just have to start with your community, mm -hmm. um, depending on what that, that nonprofit is, and focus on what got you started in it? Uh, mm -hmm. What are the needs of your group? And and the other thing I'll say, and I'm sure you helped them with that too, uh, there's maybe other nonprofits in the similar field mm -hmm. to make sure you're not duplicating. Services, yes. And then it's a it's an education piece. Mm -hmm. I find, American Cancer Unit might not know this, it's 110 years old this year. Mm -hmm. Actually, May 23rd, it's almost 110 years old. Wow, that's a long time. It's very long, two years older than me. But, <laughs> but uh, it, I still find when I meet with folks, I have to explain what we do mm -hmm. and explain all the, the services that we do and the research. And mm -hmm. so it's continuing educating yeah. your, your donors and the people that, that mm -hmm. you're helping. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's just continuing. Right, right. And, and what popped up in, in my mind when you mentioned about education, if you are a new nonprofit and you need to build your brand and your credibility, that's right, your brand and credibility, because you are a business. The only difference between you and a for-profit is your nonprofit status, right? So you're a business. Um, so you could start by going to speaking at the, the Rotary Club or the Kiwanis Absolutely. Clubs or, or the women's groups and start bu building relationships and joining things mm -hmm. and getting involved and volunteering at other organizations. Absolutely. Right? Uh, absolutely. I've been a Rotarian for 26 years or so. And it's those relationships that mm -hmm. you build that no matter what field you're in will definitely help you. And I, speaking, if they can get us, if you can speak, I'd love that because mm -hmm. all these groups need speakers all the time. All the time. And I have a little secret. I used to be a Rotarian in Naples. I actually have, you see my, um, I think my plaque is over there somewhere, wow. the Rotary Club of Naples when they used to have it at the, the beach club. Um, so, I, I didn't I tell you the time goes by so fast? It, you did? Yes, it goes by so fast. So, so, Bob, if you could share with our audience, and your information will appear on the screen, how they can reach you if, say, if they wanted to pick your brain or if they had a question, or they just wanted to make a million-dollar uh, estate plan. Now you're talking. <laughs> I knew you would like that. Uh, yeah, it's very simple. Uh, it's it's Bob.Summers, S-U-M-M-E-R-S, at cancer.org. 
You can even find me on the cancer.org website. Look under Plan Giving and uh, search. you can search for me there. Uh, and, and it's not just about Plan Giving. I can hopefully answer questions for you and, and help you, you know, send you in the way that you're looking for. So I'd be happy to do that for anyone. Thank you so much, Bob, for sharing your time, your talent, and your experience with Plan Giving and, and continuing to build. So thank you so well, much. Thank you. So, guys, you heard it here first. Another amazing nonprofit in our community making an impact cancer. I would say most of us have um, experienced some, a loved one, a friend, or someone who has been impacted by cancer. So he shared with you today his strategy for building relationships, building um, his estate gift planning program. So that is something that's very important. Even if you're a new nonprofit, you just started, and within your strategic plan, there should be a timeline with estate planning, even if it's year three or year five. Building an endowment, growing your uh, plan giving, because it's going to help your nonprofit be sustainable for 110 years. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you as you heard Bob, he said there's their, that's their number one way of raising funds, and that's really impressive. And that's what I want for you. So, this is Tamika. Stay tuned for more Grow Your Nonprofit podcast episodes. <laughs>